Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the Lion King in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. If you listened to yesterday's episode, you heard my review for The Lion King. Today we're going to talk about the, st- the statistics of it all and uh, how everything really ultimately shook out. I was a little unsure of where I was going to rank this movie uh, when I talked about the review, but it is all it has all found its place. So, let's, let's do this. The Lion King, 2019 film uh, that I saw on... If I can find it here... Dun, dun, dun. Uh, July 18th, 2019. It's about 108 minutes long. And uh, my brief summary is exact. I just copied and pasted the one I had from the animated version, which is Simba is tricked into blaming himself for his father's murder so that his uncle can take over the Pride Lands. Pretty straightforward. I ended up giving this movie a 49. Give it a 49. I was toying with the high 40s. That's where I thought it was going to be. Um, I did consider a 50, but I, I just ultimately didn't think it made it that far. Uh, it has a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes the last I looked. So, in the same ballpark. Uh, that currently ranks at 54th overall for the year. And 4,552nd all time on my spreadsheet. It has a 1 on the Bechdel test, which is the same as the animated version. Um, I was a little hesitant. I thought there's a moment uh, between Scar and Nala and Sarabi that is a little different in this version than it was in the original. That I was trying to remember if there was a converse or an exchange between Sarabi and Nala. I, I don't think there is, uh, but... Someone with a fresher mind might fresher mind might be able to correct me. I don't think there really is, uh, so it's a one. It is a one. It's a PG movie. PG. Um, everyone can go see it. Everyone. It's an adventure movie. It is the 548th ranked adventure movie. It is a drama. Uh, the 2,403rd ranked drama. It is a musical. The 286th ranked musical, and it is an animated. Disney movie. So this this was kind of the biggest question I had uh, doing the statistics. Is this an animated movie? I am excited to hear this conversation take place during Oscar season. Will this get nominated for Best Animated Feature? I, I don't know. Uh, and, and I think that that is not necessarily dependent on whether or not people consider it an animated movie. Because we've seen a lot of strange things out of the animated branch in the past, whether that's not nominating the Lego movie or, uh, you know, so on and so forth, uh, they've, they've, I don't know, I really don't think that they're going to go for this, whether it's an animated movie or not, and I don't, I mean, I guess it kind of doesn't matter since it's not really that good, uh, so it might, that might have just kind of skirted around the issue a little bit, but... I think it's an animated movie, you know, I I looked it up, I read some articles just to try and get an idea of what kind of 
motion capture they were doing and the sets they were using and and how they were achieving what we ultimately saw on the screen and motion capture was used but as far as what you see it doesn't really feel like they had any live action elements and I read one review, or and I guess not really a review, but one one article stating that it was kind of some sort of unclassifiable hybrid of some live action elements and some animated elements. And I mean, we've had other movies that combine live action and and and, and animation in the past. Whether it's uh, going back to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you can even look at you know Jungle Book and the War for Planet of the Apes movies and and what they've been doing. And this isn't really the same as those, uh, for the most part. Uh, I guess, you know, Jungle Book and War for Planet of the Apes is the closest thing. But the difference here is that it's not one and the other. It's both simultaneously. And I think that's where the problems arise. I think it is absolutely... I mean, I ultimately sided on the fact that it is definitely an animated film... Uh, I think that that's what it is. So, uh, for an animated film, it currently ranks 730th overall, and as an animated Disney movie, it ranks 108th. So, I guess it's more, I mean, it's a realistic, it's a photorealistic version of The Lion King, but it is still, uh, at its core, an animated film. And so that's that's where I'm going to leave it. That's how it's going to end up for me. That's where we're at. So, The Lion King. Lion King. All right, let us jump in to the director of this movie. The director, the director of The Lion King is John Favreau. Favreau. This is the eighth film of his that I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 62.88. It is his own it is the third film rated between 25 and 49 and Sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Iron Man 2 and ahead of Cowboys and Aliens. He has a value of 2.5, a score of 52.8, to be ranked 161st overall, uh, which puts him one spot behind Gore Verbinski and one spot ahead of Chad Stahelski. John Favreau, look, I, I talked kind of about him in the in the review episode. I really like him. As a director, he's made some pretty good movies from, you know, Iron Man, Elf, The Jungle Book, Chef, I really like as well. Um, and, and even his worst, uh, you know, even The Lion King and Cowboys and Aliens and Zathura, which I wasn't a big fan of Zath- Zathura. Uh, they're not awful. They're, they're not good, but I, I think he, he has a kind of appeal to him that, that kind of always works with his movies in some capacity. And... Um, in this instance, uh, it didn't work as well as some of his other things, but I don't think The Lion King is an abject failure or anything like that. Um, yeah, Favreau, he's solid. And he's not perfect, but he is solid. He is quite solid. Moving on to writers, and man, it's gonna uh, gotta parse through all the animated version of The Lion King results that I get. Um, alright, writers, we have Brenda Chapman, this is the fifth film of hers I've seen, it drops her average film rating to a 76.8, it is her only film in the tw- rated between 25 and 49, and worst film overall, coming in behind The Hunchback of Notre Dame, 
She has a value of 5, a score of 59.86, and is ranked 87th overall, one spot behind Martin McDonough, and one spot ahead of Kirby Dick. And you also have Jeff Nathanson. This is the seventh film of his that I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 41.86. It is his fourth film, rated between 25 and 49, and second best movie overall, coming in behind Catch Me If You Can, and ahead of Pirates of the Caribbean, colon, Dead Men Tell No Tales. He has a value of negative 6, a score of 26.56, and is ranked 2,418th overall, one spot behind Lorenzo Semple Jr., and one spot ahead of Ted Mathet. Matho, Mathet, Mathet. Um, so the writing, uh, I mean, there's not much to say about the writing because it is largely the same as the original. There are minor dis uh, differences. Um, Rafiki's character was toned down a little bit. Uh, some of the dialogue and circumstances uh, were shifted, um, particularly the decoy sequence involving Timon and Pumbaa was altered quite a bit. Uh, and I thought I, I liked that. That was probably my favorite change that the movie makes. Um, but other than that, it's it's really just tiny tweaks here and there uh, that that don't really do enough to set this movie apart um, and don't feel uh, as if they impact the film in any substantial way outside of the Timon and Pumbaa and Rafiki elements i think those are the big two and everything else is kind of you know uh, i guess the other thing i don't know if they were really writing with uh, edgy four in mind at all i know he definitely plays scar a little uh, a little differently than jeremy irons did and i guess the same could kind of be said uh, for some of the other performances but i think um edgy fours stands out but I think, yeah, I feel like it's more edgy for just the way his his line delivery is is far more of the uh, catalyst for the change than the writing was. So, you know, it's I, I, the B version of the original in a sense, I guess, as far as the writing is concerned. So, the writers, which brings us to the performers. The performers. Here we go. And this is, uh, here we go. James Earl Jones. First up, this is the 27th film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average for money to a 56.96. It is his seventh film, rated between 25 and 49, and 17th best movie overall. Coming in behind Sneakers and ahead of uh, his narrated, him narrating The Creation. He has a value of 3.5, a score of 56.53, to be ranked 660th overall. One spot behind Lynn Cohen, and one spot ahead of Benedict Cumberbatch. This is, um, yeah, he, he reprises his role as Mufasa. He is the only person returning to reprise a role from the original version. And, I mean, he's still great. He still has the perfect voice for Mufasa, and that's, that's not going to change. So... But uh, it's curious, you know, I, I mean, they changed the voice of everyone else, and uh, I think pretty much everyone else that did a voice in the original is alive. It was only you know, 15 years ago, 25 years ago, jeez. Uh, and um, 
I, I mean, I get it. James Earl Jones, very iconic, very important, very, uh, I don't know, hard to disassociate from, from Mufasa. But, I mean, why one? If, if not, if one, why not all? I don't know. It's a curious question why they couldn't have brought back, you know, a Jeremy Irons and a so on and so forth. I understand from an optics perspective why they cast uh, only African-American uh, vocalists to do the lions in the movie. So I suppose that is obviously uh, the, the obvious reason. But I guess I, I don't, I don't know. I still feel like you could have, I don't know. Could anyone else have played Mufasa? I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting question. Unlikely, I guess, but possible. Uh, next is Chiwetel Ejiofor. This is the 21st film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 58.14. It is his fifth film, rated between 25 and 49, and 15th best movie overall, coming in behind, making a scene, and ahead of Melinda and Melinda. He has a value of 2, a score of 55.09, and is ranked 764th overall, one spot behind Elliot Gould, and one spot ahead of Alan Tudyk. Ejiofor, voice of Scar, my best in show for the film. I thought he did a splendid job as Scar. He added his own twist on it, uh, making enough of a distinction between the original and this version, uh, while also remaining menacing. I thought he had some of the best line deliveries uh, in the film. And, yeah, I, I, I thought Edgy 4 was just on point. He was on point the whole time. Next up is Donald Glover. This is the 13th film of his I've seen. Dropping his average film rating to a 59.31. It is his third film, right between 25 and 49, and 10th best movie overall. Coming in behind Lennon or McCartney as himself, and ahead of Our Deal. He has a value of 3, a score of 54.4, and a rank of 828th. One spot behind Clark Gable, and one spot ahead of Hugh Griffith. Donald Glover voicing adult Simba, taking over from Matthew Broderick. Uh, does a really good job. I, I, I don't think he stood out a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like Broderick brought a lot more emotion to the to his version of Simba. But it's hard to con say that concretely when the facial structures of the lions are so different and the original animated version uh, is able to really be expressive in the faces, whereas this version isn't really able to do that. So... There may be a little, it may be part of the animation that that leads me to think that. So, um, I don't know. Tough to say. I think Glover's singing voice, great. He does a good job. And, um, yeah, I think his chemistry with Beyonce works. I think his, his chemistry with Timon and Pumbaa works, uh, Eichner and Rogan. So, I like Donald Glover. I was super excited about his casting. Uh, he's not, I don't know, I don't feel like he's very iconic in this role the way, you know, James Earl Jones is going to be with Mufasa, but I'm not sure I could have recommended anyone really better for this for this part off the top of my head anyway. So, Donald Glover, adult Simba. Donald Glover. Next is Seth Rogen. 
Seth Rogen, voice of Pumbaa. This is the 51st film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 55.37. It is his 13th film, rated between 25 and 49, and 36th best movie overall, coming in behind The Night Before and ahead of Like Father. He has a value of 0.5, a score of 53.78, to be ranked 885th overall, one spot behind J. Smith Cameron, and one spot ahead of James Caan. <clears throat> Pumbaa. Uh, Rogan, as good as Pumbaa. Um, that's about it. I mean, he. I thought he was fine casting when they announced it. I think he does a perfectly, ad, uh, you know, passable, adequate job. I, I, he's not bad. He doesn't stand out to me. I thought he has good banter with uh, Eichner as Timon. So that's kind of his, his really biggest hurdle. And he cleared it. And so I'm good with it. Seth Rogen as Pumbaa. Uh, next up is dun, 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 dun. John Connie. This is the sixth film of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 62.5. It is his only film rated between 25 and 49 and fifth best movie overall. Coming in behind Captain America Civil War and ahead of Murder Mystery. This is the second. Uh, he has a value of two, a score of 48.88, to be ranked 1,380th overall, one spot behind Patrick McGee, and one spot ahead of Ned Bellamy. John Connie is, uh, I believe, the voice of Rafiki. I'm actually not entirely sure about this. I believe he's the voice of Rafiki. Dun, dun, dun. Letterboxd will answer everything. He is the voice of Rafiki. Uh, repri uh, taking the role over from Robert, oh man, I don't, Guillaume, Guillaume, who I like a lot more. Uh, I think John Connie's a great voice. I, I really like him in uh, Black Panther and, and, and Coriolanus. Uh, he's been in um, the, A Dry White Season. I think he's good. I don't know if voice acting is really his forte. I think uh, Guillaume... I'm sure I'm pronouncing, I'm really butchering that, uh, is a lot better as Rafiki. So, John Connie is this version's Rafiki. Uh, next up is Alfrey Woodard. This is the 11th film credit of hers that I've seen. It drops her average filming to a 56.18. It is um, the third film of hers rated between 25 and 49 and 8th best movie overall, coming in behind Radio and ahead of Blue Chips. Uh, she has a value of zero, a score of 47.54, to be ranked 1,543rd overall, one spot behind Ronald Reagan, yes, former president, and one spot ahead of Misha Auer. Woodard is the voice of Sarabi. I thought this was really great casting, uh, but I don't know if it really works um, super well. I, I think that... Um, I don't know, Madge Sinclair, I thought, brought such more, a, a lot more um, regality to Sarabi. I thought it, I thought Sarabi was a lot more, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to say self-confident, but I, I just think she, she conveyed a regal air a lot easier uh, with, with Madge Sinclair's voice, and, and Alfred Woodard's voice is good, but I don't know. It. it, it I, I don't want to. I hate to use this word, but it kind of felt a little weaker. Um, 
and that's, I don't know. Again, some of these differences may be just based on the animation and how the animation changed and how it looks and what it made the characters appear as, but I, I really, de another, this is another one where I really preferred the original over uh, the, the remake. So, Alfre Woodard as Sarabi. Next, we have Florence Kasumba. This is the sixth film of hers I've seen. It drops her average film rating to a 57.83. It is her first film rated between 25 and 49 and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Captain America, colon, Civil War, and ahead of Mute. She has a value of zero, a score of 43.38, to be ranked 2087th overall, one spot behind Frank Langella, and one spot ahead of David Hewlett. David Hewlett. Florence Kasumba plays the voice of Shenzi. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, taking over from Whoopi Goldberg, who I, I these these are this is another instance where I think the the remake had a few liberties with portraying the character. Shenzi in this new version is not very comedic, whereas I think Whoopi, uh, either by her own nature or just how the role was written. The character was written uh, is a lot funnier in the original, and not that that's a problem. I, I mean, Shenzi doesn't need to be funny. I think um, the other two hyenas, uh, which are renamed, because in the original it was Bonsai and Ed. In this version, I believe it's Azizi and Kamari, who play the additional, uh, at least. Um, pushed forward hyenas of the, of the film. Uh, they are the comedic relief, and Kasumba's Shenzi is not. I don't know. I, I liked the dynamic in the original of the three hyenas of Shenzi, Banzai, and Ed. Here, there's really not that dynamic. They're never just by themselves. It's often, you know, the entire pack of hyenas together, and these two just kind of get the camera focus. So... Uh, you know, it's it's a very different approach to the hyenas, and I really prefer the original, but again, you know, how much of that is, I'm just used to it. I don't know. Florence Kasumba as Shenzi. Next up is Keegan-Michael Key. This is the 26th film of his I've seen. It drops... Or it increases his average film rating to a 48.54. It is his seventh film rated between 25 and 49 and 14th best movie overall, coming in behind Win It All and ahead of Tomorrowland. He has a value of negative 9.5, a score of 35.57 to be ranked 3,132nd overall, one spot behind Blake Lively and one spot ahead of Jennifer Tilly. Um, Keegan-Michael Key, as I just said, uh, is the voice of Kamari, one of the hyenas, who isn't really reprising a role from the original, although kind of taking over um, the Bonsai slash Ed slot. And uh, he's fine. It's Keegan-Michael Key, uh, so he's fine. I liked him better in Toy Story from a vocal performance standpoint. Next is Phil Lamar. This is the 20th film credit of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 44.65. It is his fourth film rated between 25 and 49 and 10th best movie overall coming in behind stepbrothers and ahead of men, women, and children. He has a value of negative 8.5, a score of 32.09, to be ranked 3,543rd overall, one spot behind Pollyanna McIntosh, what a name, and one spot ahead of Brad 
Garrett. Um, Phil Lamar is the voice of the Impala, who gets like two lines, maybe one. Um, comedic relief. Comedic relief. So there's that. Uh, next up, we go to Shahadi Wright Joseph. This is the second film of hers that I've seen. It drops her average filming to 64.00. It is her only film rated between 25 and 49 and worst movie overall, coming in behind Us. Uh, she was the daughter in Us earlier this year. Uh, she has a value of zero, a score of 32.00, to be ranked 3,550th overall, tied with a bunch of other people, including Michael Clark Duncan. She is one spot behind Chevy Chase and one spot ahead of Kristen Ritter. Uh, Shahadi Wright Joseph is the voice of young Nala, and she's fine. Uh, it's tough. The The young lions, they, they have such a big role in this movie, uh, I guess more so Simba than Nala, but it's it's kind of deceiving just how long the movie goes on with young Nala and young Simba in it, as opposed to the adult versions. Because uh, it's about half the movie, and young Nala doesn't get a ton to do. Her biggest, uh, or really only, impact is um, I Just Can't Wait to Be King, and her role in that. And I thought Shadi Wright Joseph did a really good job. So, yeah, she's in it. She She's in it to win it. Next is Amy Sedaris. This is the 12th film of hers I've seen. It increases her average performing to a 43.58. It is her sixth film, rated between 25 and 49, and fifth best movie overall, coming in behind Chicken Little and ahead of Six Days, Seven Nights. She has a value of negative six, a score of 31.36, to be ranked 3,611th overall, one spot behind Clement von Frankenstein, and one spot ahead of John Leguizamo. Amy Sedaris is the voice of one of the sort of peripheral characters in this version, which is a guinea fowl, and that's about all I can say. I don't remember her much at all. Next is Eric Andre. This is the fifth film credit of his I've seen, uh, increasing his average film rating to a 47.2. It is his second film rated between 25 and 49, and third best movie overall, coming in behind Michael Bolton's big sexy Valentine's Day special, and just ahead of Rough Night. He has a value of negative 3, a score of 30.71, to be ranked 3,674th overall, one spot behind Chai McBride, and one spot ahead of Lenny Venito. Uh, Eric Andre, alongside Keegan-Michael Key, is uh, Azizi, another one of the hyenas. Um, also sort of a hybrid between Banzai and Ed. They are both kind of hybrids between those two characters. Next is Billy Eichner. This is the fourth film of his I've seen. It increases his average film range to a 48 even. It is his third film rated between 25 and 49 and second best movie overall, coming in behind Penguins of Madagascar and ahead of the Angry Birds movie. He has a value of negative two, a score of 30, and is ranked 3,743rd overall, one spot behind Ben Falcone, and one spot ahead of Lulu Wilson. Eichner, of course, playing Timon is, in my opinion, the second-best vocal performance in the film, just behind uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. And I really liked his Timon. It's a, it's a touch different than Nathan Lane. I think they both have similar sensibilities of the character and, and some sort of how the character is, but I think they just really, you know, dug into who they are and in their own 
interpretations, and I think that really works for Eichner in Timon. I think he makes Timon very enjoyable and fun, and, and his chemistry with Rogan is really good. So, Eichner as Timon. Which brings us to Beyonce. Beyonce Knowles. This is the fifth film of hers I've seen. It increases her average film range to a 30 even. It is her second film, rated between 25 and 49, and second best movie overall, coming in behind Epic and ahead of uh, her role as herself in Family Feud. She has a value of negative 6, a score of 15.43 to be ranked 4,689th overall, one spot behind Jeff Bennett, and one spot ahead of Desi Leidich. Uh, Beyonce as adult Nala, who is really good. Uh, you know, I have no problems with her vocal performance. I thought she does a really good job. She can obviously sing. Uh, I didn't care for her original song, Spirit, but her part in Can You Feel the Love Tonight, great. And, um, yeah, you know, she's good. She was good. Finally, I believe, is John Oliver. Uh, the voice of Zazu. This is the sixth film of his I've seen. It increases his average film range to a 16.33. It is his only film rated between 25 and 49 and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Wonder Park from earlier this year. He has a value of negative 11, a score of 1.25 to be ranked 4,933rd overall. Out of 4,958 total actors on the page. This movie jumped him up about 20 spots. Uh, so, yeah, John Oliver is Zazu. He is one spot behind Diana Win Winyard and one spot ahead of Nick Swardson. I thought he was good as Zazu. I really like that casting call. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's Zazu. Um, who played Zazu in the original? Rowan Atkinson. Uh, I mean, Rowan Atkinson is is tough to, to tough to tough to measure up to, um, but I thought John Oliver does an adequately good job, and yeah, he's fine. That's the thing. Like all these all these performers who who just they just don't quite measure up to the person uh, that came before them, and that's not their own faults, uh, but. It's tough. Tough to live up to those things. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> no Oscar nominations. I really do expect it to get in for visual effects. I think it's even the front runner there. Uh, but we'll see. A couple months before we even that really becomes a conversation. Uh, for myself, it is currently a nominee under special effects. Um, and uh, it's it's a... Pretty strong contender to stay there. We will see as as the months go by. <clears throat> From the year... Oh, hold on a second. Uh, darn it. Uh, from the year... From the year 2019, I have seen 139 films. During the year of 2019, I have seen 743 films. They have an average rating... The films released in 2019 have an average rating of 40.17. They have an average tomato meter of 60.98. Um, this is the 26th adventure film, 16th animated film, uh, 10th musical, and first animated Disney film all of this year. 
it is one of part of the 23.02% of films with a 1 on the Bechtel test and it is the 18th film rated PG by the MPAA for 2019 as a just barely bad film it increases or decreases the good to bad film ratio from 2019 to 0.35 and is one and is the 86th bad film of the year that I have seen. Finally, it is a film rated 49 it is one of the 89 films that have a score of 49 on my spreadsheet. Some of the others include from last year, King Lear, Never Look Away, The New Romantic, Red Sparrow, uh, Don't Be a Hero, Win It All, uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire, Hot Summer Nights, The Hitman's Bodyguard, uh, Fences, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, uh, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water, Tomorrowland, Mr. Wright, The Judge, Anchorman 2, Bad Words, The Campaign, Hotel Transylvania, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Uh, we can go all the way back to... Let's see, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea from 1954, The Guns of Navarone from 1961, uh, Save the Tiger from 1973, An American Werewolf in London from 81, Koyana Skatsi from 1982, Splash from 1984, Tango and Cash from 89, uh, The River Wild from 94, and so on and so on. That is pretty much it, though, for The Lion King 2019 animated remake of the original Disney classic. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, last minute, la- or last end of the episode update, uh, if you don't follow me on Twitter, I have figured out, and I don't know how long this has been an option, but I have figured out a way to easily create an alternate Patreon-only um, feed for the podcast, and I will be for the foreseeable future, releasing all episodes uh, on that feed uh, if they are substantially, <coughs> excuse me, substantially ready before they would actually come out. So, all levels of Patreon subscribers and patrons can now get access to every episode early. That may just mean. A day may mean some. Sometimes it may mean a few hours, uh, but but in other cases it could be weeks. You know, you never know. So that is a new change. Uh, every level of patron subscriber gets that for even for as little as eight cents an episode. You can find me on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/CircleOfFilm. You can follow me on Twitter at CircleOfFilm, Letterboxd at CircleOfFilm, or email CircleOfFilm at gmail.com. If you would like to support the show, like, rate, review, subscribe. Patreon, or uh, head over to the website, circlefilm.com, or most places where podcasts can be found to find all the other episodes and uh, much, much more. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh boy.
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.